Roar Nation, Promise Keepers is back July 31st, 2020. Estimated 80,000 men will be gathering at the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Speakers are going to rock the house. It's going to be a full lineup. And on top of that, worship is going to be amazing. Why am I telling you so far in advance? Because tickets are on sale and they're slowly selling out. So that being said, I hope I see you there. I am planning on going. Go to promisekeepers.org to get info and tickets. Again, go to promisekeepers.org. See you there. Welcome to Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You, the podcast that focuses on Christians that are active in everyday life. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to educators to athletes about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now get ready to roar with your host, the voice of manifestation, John Fuller. Hey, Roar Nation, John Fuller here, and I'm excited today because we are talking about wealth, finances, money, uh, Definitely a subject for a lot of people, especially, I, I think, in church and the Christian community because um, I had a very poor mentality growing up thinking about uh, money before I got saved. I wanted to make lots of it, and uh, there was some greed involved. But then when I got saved, um, it was kind of like one of those bad taboo things in church. So what happened was is I shifted from completely on the right to the left and uh, it's taken me a lot of years to find a center balance right in the middle where uh, scripturally how God feels about it, what it looks like. And interesting enough, if you read your Bible and you pay attention, Jesus spoke about it a lot, uh, especially in Proverbs. So I definitely think it is of great importance to have a healthy relationship um, with the Lord, obviously, and with your money. So that being said, I'm excited to introduce to you Jim Oliver. Jim, you ready to roar, my friend? I am ready. All right. So, Let's Roar Nation, check this out. Today's guest is Jim Oliver. He's the founder and wealth coaching company, Create Tailwind. He, is, uh, he started this in 1988, which means he's like a 30-year overnight success. Uh, and That's it doesn't right. say that in the notes. I just thought I'd uh, throw that out there for you. That's uh, accurate. All right. He, uh, he started a traditional financial planning firm, but after weathering two major corrections on Wall Street, Jim and his team pivoted the company's focus to building wealth beyond Wall Street, which we're going to dive into. So, all right, Jim, why don't you give me the 50,000 foot view of kind of who you are, you and your family? Awesome. Okay. So, uh, Jim Oliver, and I'm uh, 54 years old. That's why I can say I've been doing this 31 years. It's the only thing I've done out of school. And uh, I, my wife, uh, Kelly, and I live in um, Bonita Springs, Florida in the winter, and Dakota Dune, South Dakota in the summer. And, and we never get those two confused. And uh, <laughs> sure. um, we have our our uh, uh, 11-year-old granddaughter who we're raising lives with us now. We have a 31, 30, and 21-year-old. So I'm on my third wave of, of kids, John, because God thought that I, you know, I, I needed to practice. So I'm, I'm hoping that he, he doesn't have a fourth wave for me, but I would consider <laughs> it a blessing. I'm just thinking I'm getting, a, I'm getting better at it as I go. So pretty soon I'm going to be a pretty dang good parent. No, that's funny you say that. I was I was thinking the other day, I, uh, a friend, some guys that work for me, one of the other guys says, 
you know, he's got like six or seven kids. Right. And I was like, I'm thinking, I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, I knew how young he was. And uh, I was like, I would like more kids. But the problem was, is we started in our early twenties and I was so broke. I couldn't even afford the three I had. So the thought of having any more was terrible, but now I wish I had more cause I absolutely love them. So. Yeah. Yeah. I was the same way. I, I, uh, I had children at 22 and uh, we had Irish twins. So by 23, we had two of them and uh, we had no clue, no clue how we were going to make it work. So that's fine. God provides though. Amen to that. All right. So um, Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit kind of um, uh, you tell us a little bit about your background, but kind of what, what you do as far as uh, over just an overview of what you do. And then we'll get into that in detail. Absolutely. So what I do is I show people how to take over the banking function in their lives and how they can build wealth and recapture interest that they're paying to other entities, lost opportunity cost. And I teach them really how money really works, not how the advertisers really want us to think money works, what I call the noise, but how it really works. Okay. That's awesome. Well, I want to dive. Well, before we do that, I, I do want to ask you, cause I always ask what has kind of been an inspirational scripture success quote is uh, yeah. in your life. You know, it would be, it would be, um, it would be uh, James, um, James, uh, uh, it would be James two. <laughs> yeah. We, we, I'm trying to, um, I had it up here, right. Cause I wanted to make sure I read it right. Because that's I'm, awesome. uh, but James one, two, through six okay. and it uh and it says uh I, oh, I switched it to the king james version i'm sorry man i'm gonna i'm let me switch it back to the I'm niv smart enough to I do king actually, james it's gonna have to be message or niv buddy yeah i'm going i'm going i know i have a i'm I, i'm with you so that's why i was like wait a minute i can't read that consider <laughs> it pure, pure pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. You know, that's just, uh, I grew up very poor in inner city Los Angeles. And uh, when I first heard that, that uh, scripture, it just spoke to me, man. Yeah, that's a really good one. I, I don't like that scripture when I'm going through really hard stuff. When I was <laughs> in my 20s and I was broke, uh, I remember reading that scripture thinking, yes, this is perseverance. Can we get, can we get through this now? I'm ready. And, you know, uh, Francis Chan, he has a, a great uh, uh, video study of James. And uh, um, he, he talks about this like stirring um, silver like a big vat of silver. And what they would do is you stir it and the impurities come to the surface and then they do it until they can see their reflection. And he equates that as God gives us perseverance and, and stirs us until and gets rid of the impurities until he can see his reflection. And it, that's always just stuck with me. 
That's really good. That's a great analogy because I, I think we stirred my pot for a really long time. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, tell, I tell people I learn. It just takes me a little bit longer sometimes than others. Yeah. I always say I went to public school. You're going to have to explain that slower to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Why don't you tell us kind of how you got into, uh, I do want to dive a lot into what you talked about becoming your own baker, money strategy, stuff like that. But how'd you get into it? Cause we talk about purpose and kind of just, you know, feeling a pull or wherever the Lord has for us. Maybe he opened doors, whatever that looks like, but tell us kind of that journey in your life. Yeah. Well, you know, it started when I was a kid and I was a kid in Los Angeles and if, and I was, I grew up in Inglewood and Inglewood is a few miles away from multi-million dollar houses, the beach. And we were living literally in poverty, standing in line for government cheese and getting all of these, you know, things. We, we just had nothing. And I just couldn't understand like why we had nothing. And these other people had everything in my mind. Right. And so I really was curious about how money worked. So I went to school and I thought, well, I'll go to, I'll go to school and I'll study business because I'll learn about money in, in, in school. And, and, and well, I didn't, they didn't teach us about money. And I was running some gyms at the time in Kansas city. And, um, I, I, I got my girlfriend pregnant who I married and we were moving to Denver and I didn't know a soul. And we stopped on the way. And we talked to one of her uh, friend's dad who was very successful. And he said, if I were you, I'd get in the financial services business because you have a passion for money. So I interviewed with 10 firms. They all offered Wait, me Wait, hold jobs. on real yeah, quick. Yeah, right yeah. there. The moment he said that though, did it register with you? Like, did you feel kind of internally? Like, was it kind of speaking to you or not at all then? It wasn't. And I wasn't, okay. I, I, I didn't know God then either. And so okay. I was, I was looking at things. Hey, it's all me. I'm, I'm going to educate me. I'm going to fight through this. And, uh, uh, but looking back, I can see where obviously God's, you know, hands are all over this. Yeah. And so I, I, I get into the business and I start studying and I, and I, and I find out that, oh, there's a pattern. You just go out and get assets under management and you show people this modern portfolio theory and Wall Street and what a dollar started at 1920-something to, you know, to, you know, at the time, 1988. You know, that, that's how you show people how to build money. And that's what we did. And we were very successful at it until we started doing the math. And it said your average rate of return was 9.38%. I thought, man, I'm a superstar right? Yeah. But their actual rate of return after taxes, fees, everything else was like 4%. And I thought, well, wait a minute, this math doesn't work at 4%. And so I started looking for something else. And I started looking at how my clients that were really, really wealthy, what they did. And so we changed, you know, that's, so that was kind of my path. I did it out of scarcity, but then I ended up teaching abundance and that's with the way that God changed my view of money. I wanted to show people what was possible with money, not, you know, because money is not the root of all evil. Love of money is the root yeah. of all evil, but you know, I have this passion. I have in my wallet, I have a hundred million dollar check. Okay. Now God hasn't cashed that check for me yet. <laughs> but he and I, we were, were negotiating what I would do with that money. And I'm just telling you, I can't, I have a pretty simple lifestyle. I can't spend what a hundred million dollars would produce. 
but I could spend it for God, right? Yeah. I could spend it in the kingdom. So it's like, I think we're just trying to figure out what we're going to do with that hundred million. Then he's going to, then he's, then he'll, then he'll cash that check for me. I like that. That's really cool. You know, one thing that you said that really stuck that I wrote down is you found your path out of scarcity. And I think a lot of times people are, um, there was another word I was going to use that wasn't appropriate. They were, they complain about life and their circumstances. And really, you know, the, somebody once said to me, um, in a class, uh, the teacher said, he said, when we're asking God, why we're asking the wrong question. But when we go to him and ask, what can I do to partner with you in this situation? That's the right question. Cause he obviously will never, will probably never know the why, but he always wants to restore it. And I think sometimes we miss opportunities in really hard times in our lives because we're asking why instead of God, how, how can we do this together to get out of it? And I like, and what I like about your story, you said you went from the, from a scarcity mindset to obviously a giving an abundance mindset once you got saved. And that was that transition. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, abundance, you know, the, there's a great book out there called thou shalt prosper by Rabbi Daniel Lappin. And, uh, he's known, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, Rabbi Lappin, but he's known as, um, he speaks at a lot of churches I mean, it's, it's, he's a really cool dude because he approaches everything from a Jewish perspective, but he's, but he's, he, he focus, he speaks at a lot of churches and lets people know that God doesn't want you to be poor, right? Yeah. God doesn't want you to love money more than you love him. He doesn't, he wants you to have a relationship with him, not focus on money. But when you do that and you let yourself prosper and you educate yourself about how money really works, that prosperity just comes and those opportunities come and you figure out that you're having more fun earning money than, and it's not, you're not working for money, yeah. right? It's, it's just coming. It's just flowing. And to me, that's the feedback that God's saying, okay, you're going down the right path. Yeah, that's really good. Okay. So I like to always go, uh, question I talk about is digging deep and I also call it, it can be worse than this. And yeah. I compare that to the Moses story, obviously when Moses is standing and, uh, God, if you don't show up, either we're going to drown or the Egyptians behind us are going to kill us. Do you kind of have a story about that where God really shifted your perspective or something in your life that was radical? You know, I think it was my whole teenage, uh, um, upbringing is I, it, it, it's kind of interesting because I, I have actually, uh, five siblings, but I was given up for adoption at, at birth. And that's a long story. And I can just say one thing, thank God that abortion wasn't legal in 1965 or we wouldn't be having this conversation. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I grew up in the inner city. I was angry. I didn't know God. I'd never stepped into a church. And, um, and I was almost, but the funny thing is I was always talk. I was daring God to kill me basically with all the things that I was doing yeah. in my life. And, um, and I was getting nowhere, you know, I mean, okay, now I got two kids. I'm 23 years old. I'm living in Louisville, uh, Colorado. And, um, and I'm just miserable, even though I'm making money and I'm supporting my family and I'm working 80 hours a week to try to do that. And a guy knocks on my door, Wally, right? Now, if you knew me then, there's no way Wally's coming to my house. But then he says something that there's 
absolutely no way he's coming into my house. He says, you want to read the Bible with me? Now, I'm just telling you, John, I let Wally into my house. We started reading the Bible. My wife comes in and says, what are you doing? I said, I'm reading the Bible with Wally. <laughs> <laughs> and like a month later, we're both baptized. We're both saved. And, and, uh, and, uh, and you know, so I, I can't explain that, right? And that's when my life started to change. And, um, and it took a long time. There was a lot of perseverance still to come, a lot of stirring of that silver, a lot of those impurities that we needed to get out and that we're still getting out, by the way. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I think that was the moment that I said, you know, I can't do this by myself. You know, I, and, and, and as soon as I kind of let go of that, all of a sudden things started to open up and things started to, and it was just, it was a process, you know? You know, it's... Um... I've had this conversation with my wife several times, grew up a lot like you, uh, grew up really rough. And, uh, you know, I look back and I wouldn't change it for anything because yeah. I just think about it. It creates a depth with the father that sometimes I've told my wife, I said, I have a relationship with the Lord that most people don't have because they haven't had to rely and go through so much crap. And, uh, yeah. and, and I'm thankful for it, even though it's as hard as it may be. And I think you're probably the same way. Absolutely. You know, that's why I love that quote and, you know, uh, or, or that, that passage. And I, 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 uh, I love the quote perseverance introduces a man to himself. And, you know, I mean, we could say, you know, a woman could use that too. I don't know whose quote that is, honestly, but I just think that it, that perseverance and adversity, adversity lets you know, man, I can't do this on my own, but if I get on my hands and knees every morning and I, and I just ask God to show me, help me and, you know, and just do that every morning. If I have that, that appointment with God before anything else, before I read what's going on in the world, before I read a book I want to read or listen to anything or exercise or anything, it just, it sets the tone for me to say, okay, whatever happens the rest of the day, you know, I've got that. I'm ready. I'm loaded, ready to go. And I can, and I can overcome anything. Amen. All right. Okay. So right real quick, before we dive into becoming your own banker and finances, I want to take a quick moment for our sponsor. You know, we're all about being real around here. And if I'm being truthful, I hate shopping for insurance. So recently I found a company that made my life much easier and also helped me find an insurance policy and they help you find all different types of insurances. So what was it? I'm glad you asked. Policygenius.com. So I went on Policy Genius, got a uh, quote. It literally took just a couple of minutes. And I got to tell you, to be honest, I was extremely impressed with the representative that I had. Uh, they actually text me, uh, followed up with phone calls. They made the process really easy, really impressive, and it all said and done, absolutely, I got insurance through them uh, because they made the process easy and I liked dealing with them. So that being said, why don't you go on there right now and compare and buy either life insurance, different types of insurance you're looking for, get on policygenius.com and see what they can do for you. I do recommend them and personally use them. Okay. So Jim, what I want to talk about, um, I don't even know where to start. So I kind of want you to take the lead. Honestly, I've never said that to anybody before, <laughs> but since you're a podcaster, you're good with that. Um, 
I, I just kind of introduction of just kind of money, how it works. And I'm real curious uh, is the beginning of the show before we started recording about becoming your own baker. So I'm just going to kind of let you take it off from here and I'll probably interrupt in different pieces to ask questions. Awesome. So really where you have to begin is what is happening. If you know what's happening, you'll know what to do, right? But we don't know what's happening with our money. And I kind of equate it to this. I'll start it this way. Is it's like we were driving up to a movie theater and there's two movies playing at the movie theater. One is called a reassuring lie. And that, that line, by the way, is long. There's a lot of people on that line. There's kids that their parents are taking them to see that movie, et cetera. And then the other movie is an inconvenient truth. Now, it's not Al Gore's inconvenient truth on climate change. It's just the way money really works. And um, there's nobody in that line, by the way, because we want to be reassured. I don't know if you've ever felt like this, John, but it's, it's kind of like this. Gosh, what I'm doing with my money doesn't seem right, but everybody else is doing it. So if we're all going down, we're all going down together, right? It's like putting our money in prison, like in a 401k or an IRA. I hear people on TV say that's the most important asset people have. But think about it for a second. Let me just ask you three questions about this. I, and, and this is getting to why you got to know the problem before you know the solution, right? The Old Testament's the problem, and you got to read that so that you can read the, 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 the solution, the New Testament, and you appreciate it a lot more once you understand the problem. So I'm, I'm leading up to the solution, which is okay. becoming your own banker, but, or it's part of it. And, um, but we got to understand the problem. So we put money in qualified plans. We're encouraged to do that constantly. So let me ask you three questions about that. Are taxes going up or down? Uh, up. Absolutely yeah. going up, right? Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, and the interest on the debt, taxes have to go up. They're lower than they have been in for, uh, over history, so they have to go up. Number two, the dollars that are in your pocket, are they worth more today or in the future? I'd rather have two today than five tomorrow. That's right. So it's like when you were a kid, when, you, um, when I was a kid, I could buy five candy bars for a dollar. Okay? Now you that can't even you. buy one for a dollar. That's right. So the dollars in your pocket are always worth more today than in the future. Okay. The next one is, would you rather pay tax on the seed or on the harvest? I the little amount or the big amount? The little amount. The little amount. Now, qualified plans violate those three questions. They violate the answers that you gave, and you gave the right answers on all of those to those three questions. But that's what we're told to do with our money. And it's kind of like this. Have you ever played Monopoly with somebody who just wants to win, doesn't really want to have fun, but they just want to win? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, by the way, there's only one rule of Monopoly that matters. Four houses equal a hotel. Yeah. Because if I get hotels on my properties, I'm going to bankrupt you and then I'm going to win the game. Right. Yeah. That's what's going on in life is there are people out there playing this game of money and they're playing so well, you don't even realize the game they're playing. And it's it's the government taking your money with with through the IRS. And there are ways to save taxes and there are things to do, things to invest in that'll help reduce your taxes. Right. And I'll give you an example of this. And I don't and, and it doesn't matter whether you love Donald Trump or hate him, but um, is, I mean, it well, matters, but not in this story. Right. I mean, like as far as you shouldn't hate anybody, but, but in the story, it doesn't matter. Is uh, um, on the Today Show, I was flipping around the, the channels and I, the Today Show comes up and they go, Donald Trump lost a billion dollars in uh, between this year and this year. And I said, oh no, 
they're going to tell everybody that you can depreciate real estate while it appreciates in value and cash I flow. thought the moment I saw that and everybody was going in an uproar over that, I thought, you guys are spinning that so wrong. What you should be saying is the guy was freaking brilliant because he depreciated it and saved a bunch of taxes. That's exactly right. But they don't want you to know these secrets about how money really works. Now, okay, so this is the problem, then we'll talk about the solution, is that uh, the average American pays 34.5% of their net earnings to interest. Now, not interest rate, but because we amortize things, it's the volume of interest. It's the amount of interest in each payment that matters, not the rate. The rate is noise. It's a distractor. They want you to focus on that so that you don't focus. So think about this in your mortgage. If you paid every payment on a 30-year mortgage, you're going to pay about double of whatever you pay for your house. Okay? So if you earn a dollar and you got to give me half, do you care what your interest rate is? No, I guess not. No, you just care. You got to give me half your money. Yeah. So again, we shouldn't be focused on rate. We should be focused on volume. So 34 and a half cents. Okay. So now think of it this way. If, if you earn a dollar, 34 and a half cents goes to somebody else. And we're taught that we're supposed to save 10%. I'm not talking about tithing. I'm talking about we're supposed to save 10% for the future, right? Okay. So if you earn a dollar and you got to give me 34 and a half cents and you get to keep 10, what are you? Um, about 60%, I'm at, uh, 34, 44%. Yeah. You're, well, no, you're a slave. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're a financial slave. So now what if we could recapture that interest that was going to other entities and pay that back to ourselves and then use it over and over and over again, like the bank does? Well, that'd make a lot of sense. Right. And what if we could build our wealth that way without risk? So that's number one. So then there's somebody in the audience right now that's saying, well, Jim, I pay cash for everything, so I don't pay interest. But you have this little thing called lost opportunity cost because you finance every single thing that you buy. You either pay interest or you give up interest that that money could have earned you. So we want to recapture lost opportunity cost as well. And we can do that by controlling the banking function in our lives. The banking function, banking is the most important business in the world. Every single person in your audience should be in two businesses, whatever they do for a living and the banking business. And whether they're running a business or their family is you got to control the banking function in your life to some degree, or you're going to continue to be a slave to the financial system. Okay. Are you going to go into detail to that? Because if I'm listening, I'm a listener right now on the podcast. Um, My first question is, okay, great, Jim, I'm hearing you, but what the heck is the banking system? What does that even look like in my life? Okay, so so think about this. You go down, well, you don't, I mean, back in the day, you could tell how old I am. We used to have to go down to the bank and make a deposit, right? Money is deposited electronically for you in the bank. When the bank receives that money, is it an asset or a liability to the bank? It's an asset, that's Isn't what we've it? been taught to say as a consumer. No, it's a liability because they have to give it back to you whenever they want or whenever you want, I'm sorry. And they haven't done anything with it. They haven't earned any money, but they still got to pay for the bank. They got to pay for the employees and everything else. But how do they turn it into an asset? They uh, loan it out. Uh, yeah. Right? So that loan is the asset because you pay the bank or that borrower pays the bank interest and then the bank pays you. 
Now, that seems like it's fair until you start doing the math. And you'll see that the bank makes about 2,000% more than you. Right? Well, because we. I want to be on the bank side. So, what we want to do is what if we could be all three entities? We could be the depositor, the owner of the bank, and the borrower. And we internalize this to where we control that function. And we put that money in motion, just like in the parable of the talents or the, the bags of gold, you know, where. We take five and we make it 10. The way that they do that is not by putting it in with the bankers in, in earning interest. In fact, in the, in the Bible, it says the, the guy that buried it in the dirt, remember he says, and this is, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, he says. Calls him a wicked servant. That's right. He says, you wicked servant. The least you could have done is give it to the bankers to earn interest. The least. But the other two guys, they put it in motion, right? They put it in motion and they doubled it. We can do that too. We don't have to loan money to other people. We can loan money to ourselves while our money sits and grows. Now, so you, you have two sides of the equation. You got to build a money pool, okay? And we show you how to do that. And we show you instead of putting money in the things that Wall Street wants you to put money in or the government wants you to put money in, you, you grow your money pool, <coughs> excuse me. And then you take loans to buy things your cars, vacations, maybe your taxes, business expenses, equipment. It's infinite, right? That's why it's called the infinite banking concept is because there's an infinite number of uses for you. And then you pay yourself interest back. The, now, it is, there's, a, there's something out there called economic value added, and it basically says that your money has a cost, it has a value. So you can't treat it as though it doesn't. The bank doesn't let you treat the money that they're loaning you without a cost or a value. So you shouldn't do the same thing with your money. But then you pay yourself back. In the, so it's as simple as this, really. You write checks to you instead of the bank. Okay, so back up, Jim. Okay. Yeah. So I'm hearing the money pool. I'm hearing everything. But I need, give me like a client minus their name. But like yeah. a real life example, whether it's me, you know, whoever, just whatever. Give me hard rubber hits the road example. Okay. So Let's take like Terry Nelson, who ran a, and, and by the way, this is in a book. It's, it's okay to use his name. Um, is, uh, he was in the logging business okay. Okay, in Georgia. And he had four trucks, two tractors, and a tree shear. Okay? okay. So just for perspective, the trucks were about 50 grand. This is, this Thank is, you. This That's is, what I'm asking. I need money. Yeah, tangible yeah. assets. Okay. So a, the truck was about 50 grand. Okay. The tractor was about a hundred grand and the tree shear was about 200 grand. Okay. But he's paying $16,000 a month to the bank for this equipment. But he's got this money sitting over in this account and it was in, it was in cash value in a life insurance contract. He had about $160,000 in there. Okay. So what he figured out is on each truck, he could finance each truck, pay himself back. And one of the things that 95% of insurance agents don't know this, but when you take a loan against your insurance contract, your money doesn't go anywhere. It stays in there and grows. And the insurance company has to give you some of their money with an interest-only loan. So now he was, had amortized from the bank. They set the terms. He turned that to an interest-only loan, but paid himself what the finance company was demanding. 
over his career by just financing trucks and by using by using his life insurance policy by using his life insurance policy okay he built two million dollars more wealth and didn't change his cash flow one dollar wow he recaptured the interest that was going to the finance company my first question is because I'm trying to understand it. What kind of life yeah. insurance policy is that? Because I don't even, I'm not grasping It's the that. kind that a corporation and a bank buys. It's okay. not designed for death benefit. It's designed for cash and it's playing. That's where I say we have to beat the IRS. It's playing the IRS game. It's under the 7702 life insurance. It's, 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 it's taking that regulation and pushing it to the limit of what it's allowed to do from a cash standpoint. Okay. Corporation, every Fortune 500 company does this. Every major bank in the United States does this. They have billions of dollars in there. In fact, the government limits how much banks can put in these kinds of contracts. Okay. So why would they limit it? Because it must be good and it's off their radar, right? And once the money's in there, it's tax invisible. You could take it out as income down the road and you never pay any tax on it. So, so how do we find those? We come talk to Jim? Yeah, I mean, we, well, you, we have a lot of free resources. You can talk to us at um, Create Tailwind. And th- by the way, this is, our, this, is our, this is our thing. We educate you until you say, hey, this is for me or this isn't for me. Yeah. But, but there's books out there to learn how to do this too. And, um, you know, um, anybody who's listening to this show that wants one of these books, as my gift to you, I'll send you one. That's and it's awesome. called Becoming Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash. And Nelson uh, was a great mentor of mine. He just uh, graduated from this world in March last year. That's his words. He'd say, you know, Jim, one of these days I'm going to graduate. And uh, uh, he was a great Christian man. And he would give you a Bible lesson right along with an infinite banking lesson. So uh, uh, if you're so inclined, we can do that too. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's awesome. I'll take you up on that. Yeah, it does. So, okay. So Jim, I want to back up. Let's say, you are John and Jim, yeah. you know, let's go back 20, 30 years. We're first getting started. Uh, we got kids at a young age. We're out hustling, probably got cash flow issues. We got kids. We're trying to figure out how to pay diapers. We're, we're struggling, right? But at some point, a couple years down the road, we start to kind of, you know, feel like we're catching our tail. Cash flow is a little better. And we actually feel like, hey, I, I might have some money to do something with, or I can start making some headway. What does that look like for people that are just starting to like kind of get in that, that groove? So I, I love working with young, young people because, you know, people in this generation, they realize they got to do something different than their parents did with money. And it doesn't make sense to them to put money in something for 40 years and then they have to be 59 and a half to touch it. And then they don't even know what the tax consequences are going to be. I mean, you know, I mean, so, so young people in their twenties and thirties, they get this. And uh, actually people like me in my fifties, it's harder because my paradigm is so much in cement about money. I've been taught for so long. This is how it works when it doesn't, that it's hard sometimes to change somebody like me at 54, but at 24 or 34, these guys get it. And there's so many young people out there that are doing really well. And they realize Wall Street may not be the place to build their, their wealth or, and, and to protect their families. So they're looking at real estate. They're looking at 
other investments. And you just, you see a lot of young real estate investors, just as an example. So you say, okay, if I could have my own money pool and I could use the, in my example with Terry Nelson, I could use the insurance company's money to go invest in real estate while my money's in a tax shelter growing. So then I get both, I get an and asset. I want to know how to do that, right? So maybe I build it monthly. We have people that are putting, you know, a few hundred dollars a month to build their bank. And we have people that are doing millions of dollars a year. We don't tell you how big your banking system should be. And we're not the gurus. We're not the hero of the story. You are. We're going to, we're the, we're in, in Star Wars, we'd be the Yoda. You're the Yoda. You'd be the Luke. Right? Yeah. We're, we're going to teach you, but really you got to do it. And that, John, I think that's one of the things is this is a participatory sport, right? I'm not going to tell you to go buy that house and flip it and, and then keep doing that. Or I'm not going to tell you, hey, you should buy that car and pay yourself 10% interest or 7% interest or 5% interest. I'm going to coach you but then you got to take responsibility and, and you're going to build your wealth or you can give it to a broker and hope that they build your wealth for you. And you can hope that you don't run out of money in quote retirement, but what's the definition of retirement, by the way? I know what mine is. I think the American version is, is just uh, going golf and retiring at something 60, go golf and hang out at the beach or do something. But I, yeah. I think I'd go miserable after about maybe five days, maybe seven. Well, and, and you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm exactly with you, John. We are, uh, we are exactly like in that fear because the definition of retirement is to be taken out of service. I want to do this. I want my resignation to be in my obituary. I mean, you know, hey, Jim yeah. is no longer going to be <laughs> teaching people about money because he died. Right. Yeah. He graduated from this world. He's he's in heaven now. So you're going to have to find somebody else to help you. But I'm hoping that's a, a long time from now because, you know, I was I'm not a great student. So I'm sure God, I, my graduation has got to be a long time off. <laughs> that's awesome. OK, so kind of last question as we start to wrap up the show. What do we need to do? Let's just say um, myself, our listeners, somebody's a little bit financially illiterate. Um, uh, maybe we've had businesses for years, maybe we haven't, whatever, but we need the wisdom, obviously, because it, it literally rules our lives. We're either slaves to it or we're masters of it. Yep. How do we start on the educational part? Because unlike you, we're not going to have, you know, 30, 40 years of, of wisdom in it. And that's not our passion. And that's not our stuff. So where do we start? So, you know, um, you start by looking at some resources and starting to educate yourself on how money really works. And you can do that a few different ways, but you know, um, there, there's a lot of great books out there that kind of get you to help start to change that mindset. If you go to createtailwind.com, we've got a lot of free resources. You don't have to give us any information. I mean, you can if you want, if you want to get more or you want a coaching session, which is free, but we have lots of videos, articles by economists, um, books that we'll send you, um, all of those kinds of things. You have to educate yourself on how money really works. Because what, what, if I read this book, Becoming Your Own Banker, and you read it, John, we're going to come out of it with the same principles, but your vision is going to be different than my vision of how I'm going to build my bank. But if you want something, the ultimate success formula says, find somebody that has it, find out what they did, and then do that, right? Yeah. I see myself, I used to coach football, wrestling, and baseball, 
and I, and I missed it. And I, and I realized that, you know, you can't really make a living. I mean, you can, if you're really good at it, but at a high school level or a youth level, which I had a passion for, you, you can't make a living at it. This is my compromise is teaching people about money because, and I coach them from starting with very little or starting with a lot that you don't know what to do with to, to passive income. And I teach people to coach people to, to financial independence. That's the goal, not retirement. Because you could be doing this podcast until you're 90. Yeah. And then you'll go golf or fish or do whatever you're going to do or go to the beach whenever you want, whenever, but you still have projects. We don't want to be taken out of service. We want to be of service. I like your viewpoint on that. I like what you're saying. And so, okay, um, Jim, as we wrap up the show, last question. Yeah. If you could go back to the younger you, what age would you pick? What advice would you give yourself knowing you can't change the course of your future, but you're going to give yourself a pep talk? I'd go back to when I was 15 and I'd say, you know, look, stop being so angry. This is going to work out, you know? And, and I'd say, you know, that church that you keep walking by, you just <laughs> ought to walk in there one day and just see what's going on in there. <laughs> That's funny. When we get hindsight's 2020, right? Yeah. Okay. Jim, how do we get a hold of you? Find you? I want to, uh, you mentioned books, website, all that stuff. So why don't you kind of give yourself a little plug here and, uh, how we get a hold of you, bud? Yeah. Awesome. Um, the website is createtailwind.com. You can email me at Jim Oliver at create tailwind and, uh, at create tailwind.com. And, uh, um, you can, you can listen to our podcast, which is called breakaway wealth and it's wealth strategies for the unconventional and rebellious. And uh, um, we have a lot of stuff in there, a lot of examples. You can get a lot of information. I've had people listen to it and say, man, I think I understand this now. And then again, everything we do is free. We don't charge you a fee to coach you. Anything else, we'll send you a book as, as a listener of your podcast because you've been so gracious to let us come on and, and, uh, and, and share our message. And we'd love to share, we love to share this with people of faith because everything in this concept is right out of the Bible, man. You know, I'm excited about that. We're going to wrap up the show, but I want to tell you this several years ago, I felt like the Lord told me that the next greatest revival, like that we've seen in history past, if you study revivals of like Pensacola and, and uh, DL Moody and all these great guys, but the next great revival is going to be in the business world. And what's going to happen is, and, and I'm prophetically speaking this, I really, I truly believe this with all my heart. And I've, I've heard some confirming words, other people say it too. But the reason is, is God's going to teach his people how to steward money well, because the world understands money, but not necessarily understand Jesus. And what that's going to do is if we steward well, and we do a good job with his uh, things that he's given us, it's going to draw people to us to allow us to minister his goodness, his faithfulness, and his love for them. Absolutely. Amen. So good stuff. All right, man. So Jim, hold on just a second. I'm going to wrap this up. Roar Nation, thank you guys. Please go out and get the book. I cannot stress to you enough how important it is to be a master instead of a slave. That is biblical. Read it. If you don't believe me, go find it. So anyways, if you guys need help, please reach out uh, financially. Please read out, uh, reach out to Jim. And uh, if you need anything else, please reach out to Casey and myself. We always love to hear um, things that you have to say. Please leave a review for us in iTunes. And also, why don't you copy and paste this 
uh, right now and send this to a friend, share it, um, just to get the word out about Are You Real and also what Jim is doing. So, Roar Nation, we love you guys. Remember, be real, be authentic, and be you. God bless. That's all for this episode of Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You. Be sure to go to areyoureal.org for your free questionnaire to identify your gifts and talents and how you can use them to help people become leaders and catapult them into their destiny to help others become the leaders of tomorrow. We appreciate you spending your time with us and look forward to helping you reach out and revolutionize next time on Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You.